Amen, amen. You know, these next few weeks, I just want to share with you, uh, uh, stirred in this area about this word overcoming, overcoming. And uh, how many know 2020 has been a year uh, uh, to, to, to give an excuse to not overcome? But you know what? That's not what God has called us to. Amen. And so uh, I've subtitled this is the first week. You are more than, more than conquerors. My text is Romans 8. 837, and if you have your Bibles or whatever, your apps, uh, you can pull that up, Romans 837, and Paul is addressing the church, and he says, no, in all these things, and what are these things? Well, you have to read before the verse when he's talking about the difficulties and the challenges that the church was faced with. He said, we are more than, I'm going to try to get to that, that phrase right here this morning, but I want to set us up. More than conquerors in him who loved us. <clears throat> John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you this so that you might have peace in your hearts. How many know Jesus wants you to have turmoil in your heart? He wants you to have peace. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And he said, while you're in this world, you're going to have to suffer. Okay. He said, but cheer up. Cheer up. He said, I have conquered the world. I have overcome. And so this message is really about turning the pain we go through into promise, a promise of freedom for others. Can you say amen? Now, let me just share a verse here, and I don't have it pulled up for you, but it's in Joshua, and I was actually reading this not too long ago in Joshua chapter 17. I thought it was interesting about God's heart for us to overcome and, and what that means. <clears throat> but uh, kind of the results of, of not overcoming and, and, and what's faced uh, with, you know, lacking courage and compromise in our life. Well, it, basically in Joshua 17, I'm just going to very quickly read. It says, but the men of Manasseh were unable to conquer those cities. And this was a time where Israel was coming into the land, the promised land, and they had to conquer and take out all the evil empires. And he said, the Canaanites managed to remain in those areas. Whenever the Israelites were strong militarily, they forced the Canaanites to do hard labor, but they, never, but they never totally conquered them. The descendants of Joseph said unto Joshua, which would be Manasseh and Ephraim, why have you assigned us only one tribal allotment? After all, we have many people for now, for unto now the Lord has enabled us to increase in number. And Joshua replied to them, since you have so many people, go up to the forest, clear out a place to live in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaimites, if the hill, if the hill country Ephraim is too small for you. And this is kind of how I read this. this is, I'm going to give my interpretation. I'm going to insert my uh, uh, attitude in this, okay? And he said, the descendants of Joseph said, the whole hill country is inadequate for us. The Canaanites living down in the valley of Beth John and its surrounding towns in the valley of Jezreel have, they have chariots, and those chariots have iron rim wheels. Joshua said to the family of Joseph, both Ephraim and Manasseh, you have many people. You're great. You are very great. You will not have just one tribal allotment. The whole hill country will be yours. Though it is a forest, you can clear it. You can do it. <laughs> it will be entirely yours. Then he says this, you can conquer the Canaanites, though they have chariots with iron-rimmed wheels in our strong. How many know that God has called us to overcome? He's called us to overcome. And, and, and so, so really, in essence, this verse is talking about complaining. Now, I know nobody's done any complaining this year. <clears throat> Excuses, fear, laziness, giants. There were giants in that, that, that territory. 
And they all amount to, watch this, that you will not inherit your possession, your promise. Did you get that? Did you hear that? When we complain and, and, and we allow fear and laziness or excuse in our life, we don't possess our inheritance. In other words, in other words, Joshua's saying, you're not getting around this obstacle. <laughs> you're not getting around it. You need to go through it. I didn't give many amens on that one. But you got to go, listen, we are on the tail end and we are coming through this disaster, all right? So if you're here, look to your neighbor left and right and say, you made it, you survived. You're coming through. You made it, amen? <clears throat> Overcome, when you decide to do that, that's, that, so I, I receive, I, I look at this as God said, your blessing, your inheritance is waiting on the other side. The problem with many people is weariness. Mm. Weariness in doing well. Come on, as, as Galatians says. A couple of translations of that verse in Galatians says, be not weary in doing good. Another one says, don't get tired. Let us not lose heart. Uh, another one says, we can't allow, watch this, we can't allow ourselves to get tired of living the right way. Oh, wow, this has been a year we've seen so many people just fall off the map. Come on. And just people just, just, just make decisions that are, 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 are so devastating for other people and, and just tragedy, just tragedy on top, one on top of the other. But God has called us to overcome. And so my text is Romans 8, 31 and 39. And uh, I'm just going to read this very quickly through here, this passage, and then we'll touch on uh, this in a moment. But it says, what then? Paul says, shall we say in response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, who then is the one who condemns. No one, Christ Jesus who died, <clears throat> more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us? Oh, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, see, now he's listing the things. Hardship, you could say that's a little bit about 2020. Persecution, famine, uh, that has struck America. Even many young kids and families have, have been gone hungry. Nakedness or danger or sword, it is written for your sake. We face death all day long. We are considered sheep as slaughtered. And then in verse 37, he says, nevertheless, no, in all these things we are more than more than conquerors. What are you saying? Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else at all in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen. There's nothing that will separate us from God's love. And so, so here's the thing. Jesus is coming back for an overcoming church. Did you hear that? An overcoming church. Now, now he's not coming that back, excuse me, for a broke down, defeated, hiding in the cave, waiting for the rapture church. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> now you know where I stand on that. <clears throat> the church, watch this, has not successfully, I feel, or, or effectively infiltrated the spheres of influence in our culture. They're in some of them, but they have not. Because we've been just been what? Hanging on to I'll fly away, oh glory. Come on, I'll fly. It's a great song to sing, but we are not flying away. Not for a while. <laughs> because half the world doesn't even know about Christ. 
There's not even a testimony. There's not even a church that's there that they can go to and stumble in and hear the gospel like in America, like in this community. Amen? <clears throat> so let me just, I want to hit on some things about the church that just really has affected me and just stirred me uh, these next few minutes and, and about why Church for the Harvest needs to continue to move forward. Can I get an amen? Right now I hold my hand, the signed contract of our new church building starting spring. Amen. I don't hold this thing lightly. 20 years. 20 years. 20, not two, 20 years. And those of you have been a part and come along the journey, journey have been, been, been just so supportive of that. And so uh, we're just so thankful. Thankful for the support for the trustees and just being on board and unanimously moving forward. We are moving forward. Amen? <clears throat> and so when someone says, well, what did your church do during COVID? We built a church. We moved forward. We occupied. Amen? We didn't hide in the cave. Amen? <clears throat> Moving right along, so these fears, societal reform, you know, the gover government needs reformation. The government is the answer, but how many know that it would be very beneficial to have believers in leadership? Yes. If you say, well, I don't believe that, ask North Korea. <clears throat> what it's like living there. Uh, the media, the arts and entertainment, business, education. You know, education, my heart, I, I, I share this in prayer. My heart is that each of these spheres of influence, someone in our church rises up and is in that. You know, I'm so thankful for courageous families with Paul and Lisa and what they're doing and, and, and for, for, for moms and, and the home that they want to purchase here in the next few weeks and what they're doing for, the, for, for, for women. You know what? That's a sphere of influence, the family. The family, Amen. And I'm so thankful that it's like, yes, something is rising up. And, and some of you need to run for political office. You say, well, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. Well, then train your kids to be qualified and tell them you're going to run for mayor someday or something. Yeah, we, we need to have some godly people. That's not the answer, but you know, I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather live in a country where there's godly people in leadership when this wickedness comes in to overthrow and trying to force their agenda down our throats. We can say, no, it stops here in Jesus' name. That's not the foundation of this nation. I just thought I'd throw that out. I've been, I've been worked up for three weeks, and you haven't heard me, so uh, just saying, just saying, amen? And religion and, and family and, and education. And, you know, here's the thing that just shocked me. This shocked me. And, and for whatever reason, I, I may have heard it before, but it just, the stats on why, and I say the remnant church because you'll hear what, what I mean in this moment, but uh, the remnant church, we must continue to overcome in our generation as David served the purpose of God and died. That's what I want it to be. Church for the harvest and its members, they served the purpose of God and they went home. And when you stand before the Lord, he's gonna say, let's see, uh, what nation will you, oh, oh, in America, you see, and the angel's checking off and you stand before Jesus and he says, okay, what did you do? I helped build your kingdom, Lord. I was involved and, and we struggled. We, you know, we didn't quit. We moved forward and we continue to build. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. Or I just hid. I buried my treasure under the ground. I was scared. I thought you were coming, Jesus. But here I am at 90 years old. In 90 years, you hadn't come. And I did nothing. Somebody say amen. 
Some of you here are like, whoa, we came to church this morning. What is this guy? <clears throat> Here's the answer to the question of the why we need to move forward with the church and build. You know, what's, what do we need another church in town? What, what, just, just hear me out on this. This is, this is just blew me away. There are 364,000 churches approximately here in America. A lot of them have closed. A lot of them have closed permanently. Closed. 72% or 264,000. Somebody shout 72. 72% are liberal. Now watch this. Now watch this. Meaning that they really don't care about the Bible. What, wait. When I heard that, I went, what? They don't care about the Bible. And they, they, according to this exhaustive survey, it said somewhere between, watch this. This is what shook me. 6,000 and 15,000 actually have a bona fide biblical worldview. In other words, they, those between six and 15,000 actually believe that the scriptures are the word of God. What are they doing? You know, why are they meeting? What's going on here in America? And you wonder why we're in the state that we're in. How many with me say amen? So I did a little calculation, 2020 population. It's anywhere from 330, 331 million, 329, whatever. And I, so, I, so I took the 364,000 churches. That's every church. That's every. That's, that's the Mormons. That's the JWs. That's, you know, every, that's everything right there. That's in America. Okay, and if you divided that with the total population, there would be 909 people for each church. That means this church would have close to 1,000 people. If they all went to church, all right? Just throwing that out, they all went to church. But now you gotta eliminate that because 72% don't even believe God's word is the word of God. How do you have right and wrong? How do you have morality? How do you know, to know what's right? How do you know what to act unless you have the truth of God's word? And so, so uh, I divided that up, and I said, okay, wait a minute, we got to go even less, between six and 15,000, uh, so I took the high number, 15,000, and then I divided 331 million into it, and it came up to 22,000 people per church. Yeah. 22,000. How many know we need more churches to preach the gospel, the truth, that believe in the word of God, and not just take what culture and society says and change it? Can I get an amen? Yeah. We are committed to that. We are committed to God's word and the truth of God's word. We are committed to be a part of the remnant right there. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> so 72% of churches don't even look to the Bible as their final source of authority and direction. And once again, it's no wonder America is crumbling within. The foundation is being deteriorated. All right, very quickly. You know, boldness, when I think about being courageous and bold, you know, being bold is the opposite of being fearful. To be bold implies a willingness to get things done despite the risk. Okay? Boldness, just some things here I looked up on boldness. Boldness may be a trait that only certain individuals are able to display. Boldness is a willingness to take risks and act creatively with confidence or courage. You know what? Bold pastors are nearly extinct. That's right. <clears throat> it would be much easier to play church, make everybody feel good, than to be bold. And let me tell you something, as pastor, that I could, well, you know what? Yeah, that I can see that. <clears throat> but, but you know what? Yeah, it's, is, it, is, it, is it easy at times? No, it is agonizing at times to be bold. It's dangerous at times to be bold. It's scary to step out and be bold. But, you know, and I'm not one to be a pessimist or be a, a doomsayer. I, I don't, I grew up under that. I grew up under, you know, storing dried food and coffee beans under the basement stairs because Jesus is coming back any moment. I heard that for over 40 years of my life, and here I am today. 
And come on, Jesus didn't come back in 1988. Whoops, you made a mistake. He's supposed to come back in 1989. Whoops, the planets were, come on now. The planets were gonna lie. There's books on it, 666, you know, the hand of Christ, he's coming. You know, I thought the Social Security card with those three bars, 666, you know, you got... Uh, now the virus, they have a little thing they can interject and, and, and it, can, it, it can, oh. Jesus coming back for an overcoming church, not a fearful church. And we got to get that in our mindset, amen? Yeah. <clears throat> not that we'll just fly away. Listen, you say, what if the rapture happens tomorrow? I was wrong. I'll go up. <laughs> so what? But if you have a different thinking, there's more ramifications for that. Come on, are you with me here this morning? <clears throat> so, but you know what? It's very possible here in America if we do not rise up as the church, as, as we know it, will be functionally illegal someday. You say, well, that's a stretch, Pastor. No, God has called us to be bold, to be bold. Uh, Acts 4, 29, 2 Corinthians 3, 12. No, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants. So they got, per watch this. The church went out and did something. They got persecuted. They came back at them to attack them, to threaten them. And they didn't say, now, Lord, consider their threats and hide us from everybody. Come on. Consider your services. Speak your word with great boldness. So after they were oppressed, harassed, and attacked, let's get back out there. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Hope, hope. A lot of people lost hope. This year, many, many have lost so much hope. But we serve a God full of hope. Now, we know uh, all the stats and stuff we hear about COVID. We're at, we are beyond COVID fatigue, amen? Uh, and, and, and this message is not about that, but there's just some things that, that disturb me about the importance of us continuing to move forward. And we know since the beginning of this year, and here we are 12 months later, the current global uh, death rate from this China virus is less than 10 thousandths of a percent. Just one to ten, ten thousandths of a percent. Still, if we can protect every life, uh, by all means, let's do so. And our president did, has implemented this Operation Warp Speed. And within nine months, amazing things have happened. And he has enabled this to happen. And this vaccine is just rolling out. And for those that are most vulnerable, and, 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 and thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for that. But uh, 2020 has taught us that while less than 1% of our populace are at risk from COVID death, Watch this, 100% of people are adversely affected by these lockdowns, shutdown, isolation, and separation. Now, I'm gonna get to something here in a moment, just bear with me, please. It's been said that the cure cannot be worse than disease, and I've heard that, and it's you know true, I wonder, but it seems like that's what's unfolding. When we're seeing and hearing, and, and many of you are, are just, it's just unfolding. This thing has struck every single one of us, every single one of us in one way or another. It has. It has struck us. Business closing, irreparable damage. Uh, uh, you know, I just have an article right here. I just saw that this was from Gospel of Asia. It said, global toilet crisis kills more than COVID-19. Gospel for Asia. Do you know there will be 2.2 million children, most of them under age five, will die because they have unsanitary conditions? It's double the amount of COVID deaths in the whole world. 2.2 million, because they can't find a decent bathroom, and so they, they you know, excrement, and, and there's disease in that, it gets passed on, and, and, and most of them are children. What a tragedy, that's something that could be fixed. <laughs> that could be fixed, all right? Like water, you know, that's part. We have Heron and Chande that are in uh, uh, northern part of Sri Lanka, and, and all the ministry there in Sri Lanka, and uh, we've helped put in wells. 
for water uh, and, and areas that there's just no water. We can put in wells and, and just help those societies. How many know that God is also into the practical things? Amen. I just read this too. More deaths in Japan from suicide. 17,000 deaths in Japan. Only 2,000 deaths of COVID, but, but still, 17,000 people taking their lives, and most of them are teenagers. LA Times reported that the suicide hotline saw an increase of over 8,000%. 8,000. 8, <clears throat> Domestic violence, abuse have dramatically increased. Alcohol, drug, more than tripled uh, during this time. We have people full of anxiety, fear, depression, suicidal thoughts, and suicide. I know of four cases right now. Four. Of, of, of not far away of people that have taken their life, just tragic. And, 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 and all of these things have spiked, even in our little community here. It has affected us. It has affected us. Here's the thing. Man is not just a physical being. He is a spiritual being. Did you hear that? And so our hospitals and healthcare workers are there to deal with the direct physical effects of COVID. And God bless them. And we have a number of them here in the church that are helping and that are serving. God bless you. We love you. And we pray for you. Keep going strong. Keep going strong. But, but, but man is not just a physical being. Okay? He is a spiritual being, an emotional being, managing very delicate mental state. And so, and so the church is really not a, a hotel for saints, isn't that right? It's not. It's a hospital for sinners, and, and it's the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. The church is the greatest hope dealer on earth. It really should be a hope dealer. And so <clears throat> during the times of crisis and, and, and difficulty, uh, the church has always been on the front lines, hurting and ministering to those that, that, need, that need hope. Amen. It is the change institution of the world. <clears throat> it's not the government that's going to bring change. It's going to be the church. <clears throat> it's Jesus, <clears throat> his hands through you in the church that heals the brokenhearted, that mends marriages, that builds families, that <clears throat> empowers people to overcome monumental obstacles. Why? Because our God is greater. We serve a greater God. Can you say amen? And so, so Church for the Harvest, we're not going to drop the torch on our watch. Okay, we're going to continue to move forward. And I've talked about how important the church is and it's essential. And, 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 and so, you know, those things are, we know, are very, very important. But our text for this series is, is in, in Romans. And, and here's the thing I want to talk about, that God is looking for overcomers. Overcomers in this season. He said, well, pastor, what can I do in this season? What can I do? I, how can I be the hands of Jesus? How can I... Well, one thing you can decide to be a praying person, and I hope we're not waking up to that right now after 12 months in, okay? A praying person, a praying church. How many know that you can decide to be a person that'll study God's word, amen, and read God's word? I get a few amens the more I go on here. Uh, how many know you could be a person that is a worshiper, <laughs> a worshiper of God, amen? And, 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 and how many know that you can, you can be a healer to others, Sometimes when we hear that, we just think, well, just physical healing. No. How many know people need emotional healing? How many know that when you hear someone's pain and you show empathy, watch this, that a piece of their pain that's unbearable comes upon your soul and you carry that and that heals part of their heart. Because when they see you next time, they know that person is with me. They're carrying it with me. Man, that makes all the difference in the world. I don't know how people handle these things in life without Christ Jesus in the local church. I don't know how they do it. And that's why a lot of them are taking their life. <clears throat> so we can be, we can, we can be a listener. <laughs> Listen 
Men, <laughs> heard that before? Listen to me. <laughs> we can be a listener, amen? We can show compassion, as Jude one twenty two says, that makes a difference. Compassion makes a difference. Can you say amen? And so how many know that we can all allow the fruit of the Spirit in our life in this season, right? We can allow the Holy Spirit to change our stinking flesh, huh? Amen? Yeah, wait, wait, let me meddle a little bit in that. You know, you're a Christian, but you have a foul mouth. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. You try to impress everybody you meet, full of pride. Hmm. You lose your temper at a snap. Hey, you gossip. You're a busybody. Just throwing this stuff out here. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Amen, hold me. Fruit of the Spirit. God is looking for overcomers in this season. He's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I can't change anything in the Supreme Court. You can change your life through all, all the Holy Spirit. These little things matter. These little things matter. God is looking for overcomers. Romans 8, 37. Knowing all these things, we are more than. Somebody shout more than. More than. <clears throat> more than. This actually means no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Let me just say this. How do you see yourself in this season? This season, this very difficult season. Do you see yourself, one, as overcoming a champion who wins the battle before you? Or do you see yourself as, you know, under it, over the barrel, as a failure, struggling along and can't seem to conquer any single problem? They just keep coming. It's just who I am. It's who I am. How many know how you perceive yourself is very important? And it'll affect the way how others see you. How many know that we're called to be witnesses in the testimony? So if we're the Christian in the group and we're the one that's depressed, come on, we're the one that's sad all the time, we're the one that's hopeless, why do I want your God? Amen? Why, why, why? But, you know, that doesn't mean we have to put on a show and hallelujah, praise the Lord, you know, when we're, you know, in public, praise the Lord, brother, and people think, whoa, you know, he's... I don't mind you saying that with you and I, you know, like, hey, praise God, brother, you know. But people, they don't understand that. They think you're nuts. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm moving. Uh, you know, have you ever met somebody that had bad self-image? You say, well, that, that's me, Pastor Mike. And, and they always carry this air of inferiority around with them. And, and, and it's, you know, it's not hard to discern that, that attitude. And they so fe feel so badly about themselves. And they, it's kind of like they radiate this negativity all the time and this perception about themselves. It's just their, their sense of insecurity, you know, being insecure. And I have grew up with a, a, a tr tremendous amount of that with the rejection of my dad and all that. I don't get into it. But all of us have demons we got to overcome. Giants we need to slay. Amen. <clears throat> and, you know, I remember uh, there was a season <clears throat> I did these triathlons. I did like 25 triathlons in five years. And, and this one summer, I think I did five or six of them. And one of them was in Bemidji, Bemidji Tri. And uh, I don't know. I just didn't feel good about myself that day. I was exhausted from all the other tries. And, and so Rhonda was with me, and she's like, yeah, you can do this. And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> And uh, it was just, a, a, you know, it wasn't a, a, you know, a major, major, you know, race, but it was still try, you know, swim, cycle, run, and uh, anyhow. And so, so I'm trying to get my bike out, and, and then I put the 
hatch down and I hit myself in the head and come on, you know, and, <clears throat> and just nothing is working right. All these things are against me. And then Rhonda's getting a little like, you know, what, what's the matter, you know? And then all of a sudden the wind picked up, you know, and, and, and the waves that was a still lake were a foot and a half. And so I remember with my cat, they, they categorize you, you know, and I'm the Clydesdale, Clydesdale group. Yeah, I don't know if you, you know. And so I'm capped with the rest of the other green caps and, and uh, all the guys run to the, usually, you know, these guys are, you know, they're right there, neck and neck. And I'm like, wait for you guys to go first, you know. But uh, I was right there with all of them and they all just stepped back. And so I went up to the front. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, these waves. I mean, it was just, and, but you know what? I, I leaned in and I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I did it. And actually, I had one of my best times and raced. And, and it, was, it was a great race. And, and, you know, what am I trying to say? We're talking about overcoming, overcoming. And uh, God wants us to overcome. And he wants to instill within you his confidence. Amen? His confidence within your life. And so, yes, people have taken that to extreme, especially here in America. Some people are very obnoxious and prideful, and I'm not talking about that. We know that's repulsive, and uh, <clears throat> especially in this culture today. But the truth of the matter is, watch this, a bold person radiates confidence. Okay? So I'm trying to say. And I remember, uh, just throwing out the stories here, i got to wind down here. Uh, there was a time as a Bible school at Christ for the Nations that I was leading a downtown street ministry. And so there was 200, 250 students there, and they all had to be involved in a ministry. And so there was about six or seven or eight of us. I think Rhonda was in there, and I didn't know her. I just saw her. <clears throat> and I went, hmm. <clears throat> Things that make you go, hmm. So I'm there, and I had to get up and share. So each one had to share about their ministry, and one was a drama ministry, and another was, you know. And so mine was the streets, and I had a cross. I built a cross, and so I went up there, and I don't know. For some reason, I was bold. I don't know why, but, and I, you know, we're going we're gonna to reach Dallas for Jesus, you know. And 40 of these students of the 200 all came into my group. I'm like, how did that happen? And I just kind of wondered, I'm like, what, why are they here? What, what did I say? And then I had people come up to me. How long did you pray? Did you pray in the spirit? Oh, you know, did you fast for that moment? I'm like, I just shared what's on my heart. And it drew people. Why? Because it was bold. And there's a boldness that'll help you in, in, in life. Can I get it? Amen. This is the season that God wants us to overcome. Not be weak and timid, but to be bold. Not obnoxious, but to be spirit-filled. Can I get an amen? And then after that was over, then Rhonda was in a circle, and I kind of came in that circle and kind of... She did look at me, though. She did. <laughs> so how do you see yourself? Well, we're married, amen? I must have conquered, amen? <laughs> how you see yourself is especially important. If you see yourself as one that is a victor, who, who wins the struggle, you know, that's how others are going to see you. And that doesn't mean you have to keep, hear me, keep that front up all the time and we're victorious all the time. People need to see your humanity. Come on, the reality. You know what, I'm down and out, I'm struggling. But overall, as believers in Christ, we are to be ones that overcome how you see yourself and your self-image. Um, you know what, I'm going to just throw this out too. I probably shouldn't, but I'm just going to. There are times I just need the sympathy. Come on, somebody. You know, you poor, you, I don't want any boldness or I just want, yes, yes. You know. Then I got to shake myself. I got to get back up and go, all right, move right along. And my wife keeps me in line. Amen? Uh, Romans 8.37, why? Because we are more than. Somebody shout more than. 
it actually comes from the Greek word hupanikos, or nikos, so we get our word Nike. And if you study that a little bit, where we get marathons, 26 uh, uh, mile, that there was a battle that was won with Romans, and they didn't have text and go, hey, just text the commander. No, they had, it was 26 miles. So this soldier ran, and he ran for 26 miles. <laughs> and he got there, and he said the word, Nike, Nike, we've overcome, and he dropped dead. That's how we have marathons today. So if anyone ran a marathon, God bless you. That is a tough conquer. That is a tough conquer. So it's actually a word of uh, hupa uh, uh, nakos. And Paul has used these two Greek words to dramatize their victory. It's a picture, watches, of overwhelming, prevailing force. And, and so, but Paul... He doesn't just use the word nikos alone. It wasn't strong enough. And so to make his point, he joined the words hooper, nikos together to make his point even stronger. So when we put these two words together, more than, see if I can get this up, in Jesus Christ is what it means. You are an overwhelming conqueror, a paramount victor, an enormous overcomer. That's what that means. In spite of all the difficulty lists and things that they went through, that's how God sees us. That's how we need to see ourselves. Can I get an amen? And it's, that's what Paul meant to get across in Romans 8. More than, more than conquerors. You know, that is precisely who Jesus called us to be. You know, when I think of a conqueror or an overcomer, I think of this. I think of someone who maybe who not only gets delivered out of poverty, you know, and they never owned a home, and then they break free from that, and, and they get an education, and whatever it may be they need to do, or a profession, and, and they break free from that, and, 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 uh, or maybe someone that suffered a terrible marriage situation. They've had difficulty in life, and they're oppressed, and, 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 but they get free out of that. See, see they, they, they overcame, but a conqueror that's more than is one that just doesn't stay there. Come on, somebody. Someone that is more than a conqueror, that they may have had a painful situation growing up. They not only were rescued out of that through God's grace, they return and help someone. That's more than a conqueror. I've had a problem, if you say, with alcohol. You get free, you get delivered, you help others. Come on, you know, I was addicted to smoking or whatever it may be your thing, and you're more than a conqueror. You help others. You know what? We had a difficult marriage situation. I've been through a divorce. I can speak into that, and I can bring victory. I can bring healing in that situation. Come on, somebody. An overcomer is someone who returns, and in, 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 uh, their deliverance out of the pain in their life, they deliver others through the power of the gospel. That's who God's called us to be. Your freedom was not just for you. I'm going to say that again. Your freedom in your life is not just for you. It's for others. It's for others. Can you say amen? I'm almost done here. Almost done. I know I've thrown a lot at you. Free, free to rescue others, <clears throat> to deliver others by the power of the gospel. Kind of, kind of wind down here and end with this verse here in Jeremiah. This was stirring me in the last few weeks. It says this, uh, Jeremiah hears this word uh, from the Lord, and the Lord tells him, he says, I want you to go down to the potter's house. He said, I want you to go to the potter's house. I'm going to give you an illustration. I'm going to show you to speak over my people. And he says this in, in Jeremiah 18, verse 1 through 6. He says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. And actually, as the verse goes, he says, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my word. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working on his wheel. How many of you have done pottery? Back in those days, you know, we do pottery and try to create things, bowls. And <clears throat> he said, and the vessel he was making of clay, watch this, it said it was spoiled in the potter's hand. 
I said, what does it mean by spoiled? I looked that up. It actually means this, that it was marred, go to ruin, acted corruptly. Hmm. It was perverted morally. Something happened with that vessel. And you know what God did? He didn't just take it and throw it out. Come on, somebody. He put it back on the wheel. He added some water to it. He spun that, and he began to shape it into something beautiful. You know what? The devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. Stand with me, if you would, please, as we conclude. The devil is out to mar, to ruin, to act corruptly, to pervert morally, to mar the vessel of God in people's lives. Yes, we can make foolish decisions that affect our lives. Others can make evil and foolish decisions that affect our lives. But you know what, what, the, what the good news this morning is? God can rework us into something beautiful. Amen? Amen? That's a powerful verse right there. Something beautiful. He said it was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Hmm. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, O church for the harvest, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. You know, as a young boy, I didn't ask for my earthly father to reject me because I had blue eyes and grew up in an Italian family. and They all had dark hair and dark eyes. And His own mom had blue eyes, he didn't even know how the devil can, can use things to, to spoil and to mar and to affect you. Things that you didn't choose but happened to you. I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for him to disown me and basically have nothing to do with me as a dad. I remember I hadn't heard from him for seven, eight years or something and then he did a, a little butt call. You know what that is? You know, oh, hey, oh, dad, hey, did you? Uh, 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 he didn't mean to call me, you know? I'm like, love you, dad, you <laughs> know? My point is this, is that I didn't ask for that. It was a hard time in my life, needing to forgive constantly, declaring forgiveness in releasing over years in my life. Well, you know, you should do it once. When you experience pain in your life, it goes deep. But see, our God is greater. See, and so what happened is, hallelujah, Jesus had turned my pain into a promise of freedom for others. And he wants to do that in your life. That's why we need to overcome. I could have wallowed and stay in that anger. And at the time I wanted to kill him, I was so hateful and angry at my brothers. And it was just a horrible, horrible thing. And, and it was upon me. And, 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 and he was always in the forefront of my mind, even in my life. And I had to release him, but I didn't know how. But, but Jesus helped me to overcome. And he wants to help you overcome. Every head bowed here this morning. God's called us to be overcomers. Are we in a difficult season? You better believe it. This is a season for us to overcome. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, that God is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to the brokenhearted. I'm going to give it a challenge, but actually I have a little illustration here. I know I had you bow your heads, but I'm just thinking about so he's like, oh God, what is he doing with this hammer? This hammer is 25 years old. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, I bought this when I was 31, 56. Just, you don't have to add up in your mind. <clears throat> now you know. And I built, built my first house with this. 
and thousands and thousands of 16 penny now come on now I didn't have the you know just just hand nail and I've used this hammer uh, to do a lot of good things but this hammer has hit my hand this hammer I have swung and nicked my head I have used this this hammer has dropped on my foot I've taken this hammer and I've thrown this hammer I have hated this hammer and come on love this hammer all right I built five houses with this hammer <laughs> still going places for me to live things I needed to pull out things I need to get in things I need to chip away I, this hammer is well worn okay 25 years old this year 2020 it's safe to say we've all experienced some kind of loss and grief and one of the things I think that we've lost is a sense of certainty and predictability and all of that strikes at our life like a hammer isn't that right strikes like a hammer but here's the thing about a hammer a hammer can destroy and it can really hurt and it can smash you if you don't use it right but it also can build it also can make you better come on are you with me see it's not the hammer that decides what you do with it it's 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 what you decide to do with the hammer Is that right and so we can't let the struggles of this year the hitting of this year, the hurt of this year, we have to say, you know what? We're going to turn this around for good. We're going to overcome. We're going to use what the enemy meant for evil for good. Can I get an amen? So we've all had a kind of loss in this difficult season. <clears throat> and we didn't have a choice in the matter. We got hit by the hammer. But we have a choice is what we do after we have been hit. Isn't that right? And so what I've learned, sometimes through trial and error, some of the deepest heartache of my life is it was my choices watch this that determined where i ended up not so much the sad difficult thing that happened to me let's pray you're here this morning as a pastor i i'm not right with god i am full of anger i'm full of fear i have uncertainty in my soul my marriage is not doing good i'm raging within I don't have the certainty that if I died, God forbid, I would go to heaven. I hope I would, but hope is good. The Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. And that's you here today. Maybe you're visiting the first time. I don't know. Maybe you're listening online here this morning. This is an important season. You've been hit by the hammer. We all have. But this is an opportunity to turn what the enemy meant for evil for good in your life and you begin to overcome and some of you, I even sense, maybe husband and wife and couples, and you've drifted away. Kind of that God thing's been in the back of your mind, but you're here today. Jesus is putting his finger on your marriage. He's putting his finger on your life. He's saying, I'm calling you. I want you. I want you for my kingdom. I, I'm calling you today. That's you here this morning. You're not joining this church as we pray, but you are joining the family of God, and you're surrendering your life. And the Bible says that he who does that, she who does that, he will come and make his abode within them and he will live and he will save you. He will give you eternal life. He will wash you clean of your sin and he will deliver you. He will set you free. Some things will be instantaneous and some things you got to work out like the anger in my life. I had to work it out. Work it out through God's word and forgiveness. But God's freedom is here this morning. Let's pray together. If you're willing to take this step of faith with no pressure, 
but the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that I sense is here. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe. Died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God meant it. You're born again. Now starts the journey of faith. And we have some, some uh, uh, ways we can help you once you've decided to follow Jesus and on, on, on your new journey in faith. And if you don't have a local church, we welcome you here to Harvest. You're part of Harvest.